0: This is the podcast by The Straits Times. Welcome to Green Pulse, a podcast series by The Straits Times where we analyse the beats of the changing environment, from biodiversity conservation to climate change. I am Audrey Tan and my co-host is Assistant Foreign Editor David Fogarty. Today, our guests are Anika Mok and Christian Mark Paul, two of the youth organisers of the upcoming Singapore Climate Rally that will be held at Hong Lim Park on September 21st. The rally is aligned with the global youth movement inspired by Swedish teen climate champion Greta Thunberg, and will be the first physical one here since the international movement began in August last year. So welcome to the show, guys. Thank you. Nice. Good to be here. So maybe you guys can start by giving us a brief rundown about what will be happening on September 21st. Great.
1: So on the 21st, we are hoping to have an event run for... Well, we will have the event run from 3.30 to 6. And we're going to spend the first hour having sort of welcome booths. And so this will consist of family-friendly activities that will kind of kick things off and get everybody started. And we want to sort of emphasize the communal aspect of this rally. And so we have events that appeal to different families and different people from walks of life that are diverse. And so they include a little library that consists of environmental books for children. We also have a station called Postcard to Your MP. And so this will be sort of an opportunity for our attendees to write and pen down any kind of concerns that they have in relation to environmental issues. And so this doesn't just have to be aligned with our goal of cutting emissions and addressing really more mitigation issues. They can also be in terms of a plastic bag charge or in terms of conservation issues. And so we'll offer prompts for attendees to raise these up. We also have a booth to share your climate crisis story And so this includes a series of prompts relating to how different people sort of interact with the environment and how they view the climate crisis.
0: Okay, sounds interesting. So Anika, Christian and I are all millennials. But David, you are an adult. So what do you guys think? What do you think (laughs) about this event? Would you be willing to take part in it?
2: Well, as the only adult in the room... (laughs) No, not really. I think this is fantastic. This should have happened a long time ago, and it shouldn't just be a one-off event. It should be a continual process, because the current millennial generation, they're the next ones inheriting basically the mess that my generation and the generation before us have sort of created. You know, the millennials are the next business leaders. They are the next politicians. They are the next big voter bank. These are the people that business leaders need to take notice of. They're going to drive change on this planet, and they should be part of the process, but as I think, you know, I'm about to hear that (laughs) it shouldn't absolve people like me from doing nothing.
1: Absolutely. I think the movement that we are hoping to create is largely youth-driven, but I think we don't want to exclude the sort of movement from older generations because I don't think youth stepping up means that older generations are absolved from taking action or from taking this issue seriously. And so, Part of what we're trying to do is also hold key decision makers who are not millennials accountable. And one of the ways that we're doing that is in our calls to action, which are very much directed at governments. And we want for there to be a very direct and targeted message to adults. Yeah, so that's the main purpose of our event.
0: So can you tell me what got you guys inspired to organize this rally?
3: Well, Anika and I didn't actually really like start this thing, right? I think we're going to mention Kumal also, who is the one who came up with the idea. I'll speak for myself and why I joined. I mean, I think I've come to realize that the climate crisis is one that is not just about, I think, the environment, right? It is a political issue. It is a social issue. It is a cultural issue. And I think something that's very important to me is that I think the people who have contributed these to climate change and the climate crisis will be affected the most, you know, and I think that is fundamentally like unequal and inequitable, you know, and that I think really has energized me to try my best to mitigate and to try my best to make this planet it, I think one that's going to be a lot more equitable for the future generations.
0: What about you, Anika? I think
1: what inspired me to join, and I think probably would also resonate with the founders of the Climate Rally in general, was a sense of frustration. And I think what we've seen is a lot of really well-meaning and vibrant environmental groups coming to the fore. But I think we hope for this event to plug a gap in terms of presenting calls to action directly addressing mitigation as the key way that we're going to fight the climate crisis. And I think Kumal has done a wonderful job of setting up a base for all of us to come together. And I'm really proud to be a part of this movement. And I think we hope that it will generate enough traction and enough critical mass to get our message across.
0: Now, if you like what you're hearing so far, do subscribe to our series Green Pulse on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, or even on Spotify, and like us and give us a rating. So now back to our conversation on the upcoming youth-led Singapore climate rally with two of the organisers, Aniga and Christian. So David, uh, you've been reporting on climate change for a while now. How has the youth movement involved in climate change changed over time?
2: It's become much more prominent, and, and rightly so. In past years, when I started covering UN climate talks, there was always a youth representation, but it was always very much on the sidelines. Sometimes some country delegates, senior climate negotiators, would go and meet the youth delegates, but again, it was very much to the side. And now it's a much stronger political force. And as Annika said, it's born purely out of frustration. Frustration out of years of inaction. The climate science is clear. It's becoming crystal clear now. And yet, policymakers, businesses have just not done enough. And now we're really at kind of right at, right at the limit where things are becoming so bad in terms of climate change impacts that you cannot do nothing. And so I understand why the youth really want to rise up and say, we're inheriting this earth, we've got to make a change.
0: But what do you think is the value of having the youth step up? Do you think the politicians are listening?
2: They provide the vision of the future, whereas the old crusty politicians, quite frankly, are more, <laughs> more interested in their own political survival and, and keeping their party in place. Maybe not all the politicians are like that, but the youth really have a key place going forward.
1: So what do you guys think? I couldn't agree more, but I think I also want to underscore that governments are very much limited in terms of how much they can change. And I think we as a movement are very sensitive to that. And I think where we see ourselves playing a role is in generating a conversation that is more geared towards bolder climate action. And I think what we hope is for there to be a little bit more groundswell in favor of this so that when the time comes, well, the time is now, but in due time, governments will take cues from what is hopefully a critical mass of people. Christian?
3: Apart from that, I mean, I, I don't mean to sound ageist in any way, but I think also we're all like in school or we've just like, you know, freshly graduated. I think we have all these like ideas and energy to want to really try and make this movement one that is sustained and one that's continuous. And I think that is, I guess, the power of the youth also, you know, that we really are to some extent. People might say we're idealistic, but I think that also provides us with a lot of drive and a lot of energy, you know. I think a lot of people maybe are a little jaded and at least we can provide. Some fresh energy.
0: I was personally quite surprised that the youth movement lasted so long. I mean, when I met Greta Thunberg in Poland last year, I was like, oh wow, it's already been going on for a few months. And then earlier this year, there's been entire global youth movements, you know, people in so many countries rising up. So I was quite pleasantly surprised. But you know, here in Singapore, since I wrote about the Singapore climate rally earlier this month, have you guys received any backlash?
3: Yes, Um, I think they've come in different forms and different shades. I think there is kind of two prominent narratives or rhetorics that I think we've experienced. I think the first one is that, you know, I think people say, Singapore is doing enough, you know, in the National Day Rally, we were talking about adapting to sea level rises. So why are you still, you know, like complaining or why are Mm. you still trying to push for stronger, bolder action? And I think we're very clear on our stance. It is about mitigation. And I think what was not really addressed so much I think during the the rally and what is not really addressed in a lot of our like policies surrounding the climate crisis is mitigation you know what are we actually doing about our carbon emissions what are we doing to actively cut our carbon emissions and I think those are the things that we think are very important you know we don't necessarily just want to live in a world where I guess Singapore is the kind of like four degree warmer right four degree warmer but also at the same time that we've adapted but like all these other like neighboring countries who maybe don't necessarily have the same resources you know Mm. are not there right I mean we're all interconnected we want our neighbors also to survive. I think the other main pushback that we've gotten is also about like individual action, which I think also says a lot about the narrative around sustainability, about kind of combating the climate crisis in Singapore. It's a lot about individual action. You know, people say, I hope you cycle or run to Honglip Park. You know, <laughs> uh, you're going to waste a lot of plastic. You know, how can you be environmentalists? And I mean, it's fair. And we're also taking like active measures to like not have single use plastics at our rallies and things like that. But also at the same time, I think the bigger picture is that that we need these bigger institutional actors at play who have so much capital, who have so much resources to help us make the change. You know, it's not necessarily just about recycling more. And frankly, I
2: think we're at a stage where that's, you know, not really going <laughs> to help a lot. You know, we need big, immediate change. Just a question on what you guys, why you're organizing this on a Saturday. For example, you know, when Greta Thunberg kick-started her movement, she skipped school to protest against the uh, Swedish government's inaction against climate change. And since then many students around the world have been inspired by her and started skipping school on Fridays, but you guys are holding it on a Saturday
1: big reason why we're having on a Saturday is because we want this to be a highly localized event and so as much as Greta has done great work in making this a conversation and in generating youth activism, we also want this to be a uniquely Singaporean affair. But more importantly we want for everybody to be able to make it and so having on a weekend means that, you know, more people can take time off, come with their families, come with their parents or their grandparents. And I think that to us is really important access and making sure people are able to make time to come. And on that note, I think Christian can also speak to how we're trying to be inclusive.
3: Yeah, I mean, I think being inclusive also means recognizing that I think advocacy and activism in Singapore are kind of a little taboo still, you know, a little scary. I mean, they're scary terms, right? And I think we want to make advocacy and activism I think accessible and inclusive to everyone you know we're trying to make this as non-confrontational as possible you know we want to show that engaging in political dialogues can happen in non-confrontational ways in fun ways in healthy ways and I think that's what we're trying to do with this event so that's also why we are holding it on a Saturday making it as family friendly as possible just kind of getting everyone
2: involved because everyone's affected by this yeah Yeah. we're also
1: Mm going to be providing fold-out chairs and basically things to help different ages and different generations feel comfortable
2: So I have one last question, and that is, um, so this event is on September 21st. When's the next one?
1: (laughs) It's a very good question. I think we'd have to see, (laughs) wait and see after the 21st, but we're definitely not going to stop here. I think once we generate traction, there's no telling how far this movement will go, Mm. and I think you can definitely look forward to seeing more of us. Nice.
0: So, well, I think that's a good note to end off on. Thank you, Christian and Anika. Thank you so much. Thank you. That's a wrap for Green Pulse, and we hope you enjoyed our discussion. That was an SPH podcast by The Straits Times. Find us on Spotify, Apple or Google Podcasts or streaming on Google Home. Do feedback to us at podcast at sph.com.sg. You can also check out more podcasts on various topics at The Straits Times and The Business Times online.